My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We are glad that you're with us um, this morning, especially if you're guests with us. Um, we're honored that you would choose to spend a Sunday morning with us. We're continuing on walking through um, the book of Proverbs, or I shouldn't say really walking through. That's what we do with most of our books, actually with Proverbs in this little short series we're doing this summer. We're actually jumping around quite a bit. We're looking at uh, the Proverbs in more of a, through a topical lens, like looking at the main themes of Proverbs, and we're not even covering all of them this summer, um, but we're taking a few of them and highlighting them and teaching on them at, kind of through the Proverbs and looking at different Proverbs. And um, maybe we'll come back and do another series on Proverbs in a couple of years to kind of catch some of the things we didn't mention um, this summer, because there's just so much in this book. It covers so many topics and really gets really practical um, as it addresses these topics. Today, we are going to be looking at the topic of friendship, okay, friendship. Uh, and as, as we did last week, we're going to be jumping around a lot, and so if you want to try to keep up in your own uh, Bible, and your phone, or your physical Bible, go ahead, but the, all the verses will be on the screen. And um, again, we're going to be jumping through these. So to begin, I'm going to read three of these verses that kind of encompass um, this idea of friendship as it's taught in Proverbs. So uh, Proverbs 13.20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 17.17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray for our time today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book of Proverbs, and we know that other cultures and other religions have their uh, proverbial statements. Um, These aren't Um, necessarily unique to the scriptures, but we trust that because you're the creator, you're the one who has designed the world, you're the one who has shown us what it is to flourish, what it means to flourish, the the pathway to flourish. And we trust that the Proverbs in your word, in the Bible, bring life. And if we build our life on things that the Proverbs teaches over the long haul, um, you put all of those little wisdom statements, all of the decisions we make on a daily basis together, and we become people who look more like you and people who flourish. So help us do that this morning as we look at friendships. And I pray that um, we would see the importance of this and that ultimately we would be changed by looking at your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The um, survey, um, there's a survey that the Center on American Life did, and it came out Uh, recently, I believe last month, um, I think beginning of July, and um, there were some kind of alarming statistics when it comes to friendships. And a couple of the the key ones, the most alarming ones, um, I'll I'll read here. Um, So in the last 30 years, um, the really the, the percent of people with six close friends was cut in half. Like 30 years. So if you were to ask a bunch of people, do you have six close friends, that number that would have said yes to that is, has been cut in half over the last 30 years. For men, um, the, the, the amount that answered, I have zero close friends, for men, went from 3% in 1990 to 15% today. 
right? So a, 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 a five times over um, in 30 years, that number went up, and there's no signs of that stopping. For women, um, in 1990, it was 1.5% of women answered, I have zero close friends. And now, 30 years later, 10% of women answered, I have zero close friends. So women actually increased even more than men did, although men still, it seems like, struggle a little bit more with developing close friendships. And then some commentators on this study said that there's one reason why we, there's other reasons, but one of the main reasons why we feel kind of the, the, fabric, the fabric of our society and world fraying right now and the conflict and the tension and everything else going on is because of, of, of the lack of friendships. You see, what happened, what they were observing is people are, because a lot of it's because of social media, and we have the access to at least perceived friends through social media, right? So we can go on, I mean, this could be YouTube, this could be Snapchat, this could be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. You can go to any of these platforms and pick a niche in a particular area that you're passionate about and spend the majority of your time in this niche through this medium with people who may agree with you or disagree on you on this one thing. And we have gotten where we spend all of our time with these people who agree with us on this very, very narrow issue. And then what happens is if you end up disagreeing eventually on something else in this group, you're kind of removed from the group or you feel the pressure to leave the group. And what this does is this is not, this, this commentator was saying, he was saying this is not real friendship, right? Real friends don't just agree on this one niche issue and kind of live their lives kind of in accordance with that issue, right? The relationships don't rise and fall just with this issue. There are other things involved. The physical presence, being able to share meals together, have conversations together, to bear one, to, to be there when 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 you when one struggles, to encourage, and, and you may not even agree on everything, but you can still call each other friends. And this commentator in this article said that is one of the biggest problems with our society today: is we lack the ability to be able to disagree with someone and still be friends because we just don't have those relationships because they're all done through these kind of niche tribes online for, for a lot of us. Um, and, and so this hurts us, even I think in the church, it hurts us to, to really, when we define what is a friend, how many close friends do I have? What, what does it mean to be someone's friend, and what does it mean for someone to be my friend? These are questions that I know before this week I, I may have not thought about as often or as specific, but I think we, sh- we all should. We shouldn't take for granted that, oh yeah, we have friends, this is, a, this is kind, of a, a kind of a big deal, but not, not really. No, I think all studies show that having friends and having deep friends is a big deal. And the Bible speaks to it a lot, a lot more than I think most of us realize. So here's what we're going to look at today. Uh, first off is um, we're going to look at God's design for friendship. God's design for friendship. Then we're going to look at really our need for friendship or the kind of the qualities and characteristics that come along with friendship. Then we're going to look at how Kind of Jesus enters into the picture. And then at the very end, we're going to talk just through a, couple, a few practical things to, I think, increase um, the number of healthy or deep friendships that we have. So number one, God's designed for friendships, right? So we were made by a God um, that it lives in community, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? 
Um, one God in three persons who've existed in community from, all, from, from, from before creation, before anything was created, the Trinity, those three persons, um, those, three, those, three, those three parts of the Trinity um, existed in community. There was fellowship there. There was relationship there. So when he creates man and woman there in Genesis, we are created in God's image, which means we are created for relationship. Relationships are everything you could say, right? If you just think about the joys, the heartaches, the, the hurts, the happiness, usually there are relationships connected to all of those emotions, right? You think those of you who are married, those of you who are parents, right? They're, they're all, a lot of your, 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 um, your joy rises and falls based off of how your relationships are going. And through the gospel, we are loved by the Father, we're united to the Son, and we're empowered by the Spirit. Right? That's the kind of triune identity that we're given by God. And we also experience those things to obviously a lesser degree through relationships. Right? We're loved by other people. We love other people. We're united to other people in community. They're united to us. And we're, like we're empowered by the Spirit, other people can speak life into us. They can sharpen us. They can encourage us when we need it the most. So a part of this idea of friendship is the idea that relationships are so important to God. So important, crucial, right? And we remember relationships, we'll talk about this later, but when we talk about relationships, we're actually talking about physical present relationships. Like you are with someone physically, not necessarily online or even using the phone or even writing letters to someone. We're talking about physical, in-person relationships. Nicole and I were <clears throat> watching a movie last night, and part of the kind of uh, main idea of the movie was this idea of the importance of uh, friendship. Right? The whole movie was built around this friendship, and for both people, for different reasons, they were really needing this friendship, and the way this friendship happens um, was really unique. And the way these people found each other and came together was really, really unique. And through the whole movie, they're just... They're seeing that the importance of um, this connection that these, these two have developed, and it just doesn't make sense why they've connected so well, but they, they have, and you're seeing the benefit for both of them as a result of being in this relationship. And it's interesting, as I was thinking about it this morning, that one of the big kind of things that they do together is watch the show Friends. So I don't know what the director, the writer wrote that. It was kind of unique that this whole movie was about friendship, and yet one of the things they talk about and they're joking about throughout the movie is the TV show Friends. And you think of a lot of the shows that we, at least that I grew up with and I know of, a lot of those were built around a group of friends. Right? I've talked about The Office a lot. Um, I love The Office. It's one of my favorite shows. And, and a lot of that, that show works based off of how those individual personalities play off one another. It's about these relationships, these friendships that develop in this office environment. So even like popular media, I think, gets and understands that we are made for relationship. We are made for friendship. And so I think even if you're an unbeliever in here, I think you would hopefully agree with that or identify with that. Even if you're a, a really shy, extreme introvert, most of us would say, if I had one close friend that was, was, was the epitome of a friend, was the ideal vision, uh, version of a friend, that would be awesome. I think we would all 
say that, and we would all admit to that. So there's this need, God has hardwired into us this need for friendship, this need for relationship. So why do we need them? Right, why do we need them? And this is where Proverbs has a lot to say. Um, but first, I want to look at a, a friendship from the Old Testament that I think gives us probably uh, the best biblical picture, maybe the most detailed picture of a friendship. And this is with uh, David and Jonathan. And let's look at 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5. It says this, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, <clears throat> the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Like, when's the last time you described your friendships, right? Like, right, your souls were knitted together, like fashioned together, put together. And it says, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul, verse 2, and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. This is when, when Jonathan was obviously the son of Saul. Um, there's this kind of um, this conflict that's happening with David and Saul, and Jonathan's kind of getting in the middle of that. David's worried for him. It says, then, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was a good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's Service. Jonathan was a warrior. Jonathan was um, kind of a man's man. He was well thought of. And he kind of stoops low here, humbles himself, and serves his friend David. He helps David succeed. He helps David gain success and kind of um, increase his influence amongst the people in Israel. So one of the kind of key things with the, the, the needs we have and the qualities of friendship is we need to be loved. Right? Friendship is about Love. We love others. Others love us. There's a unique kind of love that is expressed in friendship. And we see that in Jonathan and David. And I think the rest of these characteristics really are come out of this idea of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We looked at this passage a few months ago. It says, love is patient. Think about your friendships through this lens. right? These characteristics. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is really the checklist of our relationships. Are we loving other people like this list would describe? Do we want what's best for our friends? Are we envious of them? Do we covet what they have or do we build them up and encourage them and want them to succeed? It says, does not insist on its own way. Do, do we put our friends above ourselves? Do we have other people that put us above them? This is a good checklist for love in the context of friendship. Okay, the second thing the Proverbs kind of spell out to us is that you, we need companionship. We need people to walk with us through life. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. This idea of walking is just kind of everyday life, going about your way with other people. And it has built into this a little bit of wisdom on pick your friends wisely, right? Like surround yourself for the most part with wise people who can make you wiser. Don't surround yourself with fools. 
Now, there's an occasions where um, that maybe we, we shouldn't do this, but it's just on occasion, and we'll get to that a little bit later. For the most part, we need to surround ourselves with people who are wise, and we need companionship. Um, we also need people that we can be um, transparent with, people that we can let our guard down with, people that we have some com- understand our commonality as human beings. Listen to Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So you have a friend who loves at all times. And it's interesting that it, there's a little bit of, I've never read it this way, but there's a comparison between um, a, a friend loves at all times, and, but a brother is born for adversity. And what I think, and a brother is born for adversity. And what this is saying is um, that when you're related to someone, there's this expectation that they're going to be there for the most part when you face adversity, right? That's what brothers and sisters do. That's what biological families do. But he contrasts that with a friend loves at all times, right? And most of us probably feel this. I mean, some of us are so close to our siblings that we feel like we're best friends with them, and that's awesome. But I think this, what this is talking about is the friendships you have are probably going to be more consistent than even your, your, your biological brother and sisters, your, your familial brothers and sisters that grew up with your family. So there's something about a friend's presence being there consistently um, all the time. There's also this idea of transparency. Listen to C.S. Lewis says this. It says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another person, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. So right, there's that moment. If you think back to your friendships, probably a lot of them started when you had this, found this deep commonality with someone. Probably it, it went beyond talking about sports or talking about movies or whatever. It probably went beyond that to like, oh, wait a minute, we, we, our, our stories intersect here. Or I struggle with what you struggle with. Or I, I, something happened in my family that kind of happened in your family too. And there's this, this immediate connection you have and you're really close to becoming good friends in that moment. Right? God has brought that person alongside of you and this is what C.S. Lewis is talking about here is that there's this, There's something happens that connects us when we are transparent and we find other people that maybe have the same stories and struggles we have. There's also, oh, uh, Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This gets at the idea of just um, really reflecting on your own friendships. Uh, How many do you have, right? Do you have any close friends? You may have 500 or 1,000 on Facebook, but... Like, who cares, right, when we're talking about this? Like, who are the, 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 the three, maybe the one that you have that you can say, they are a close friend. They check all these boxes. They love me well. I want to love them well. They, they, I can be transparent with them. We know each other. There's vulnerability there. And then another thing that comes out of this is the, the next characteristic we're going to look at is we need to be sharpened. We need to be encouraged. One of the reasons why God designed us for relationships is for us over time when we're connected to those people that we would look more like him, that we would look more like Jesus, that we would grow. Proverbs 27, 17, well-known proverb says this, as our iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And you probably maybe have even heard sermons or books taught on this, but um, that iron on iron illustration there it's 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 deep right have you ever seen like uh, iron fashioned probably most of us probably have only seen that on movies right but you see iron getting hot 
super, super hot and then shaped and hit and there's sparks flying. But there's this, this, this tool or this something useful that comes out of this, this iron being fashioned for something useful or purposeful. And it happens when one piece of iron is smashed and hit against another piece of iron. And this is what this proverb is saying. That we're sharpened when other people are around us. And there's this intentionality behind that kind of relationship. Do we have that? Do you have that? Do you have people in your life that sharpen you? And then they're built into this, there's also um, kind of this, this, this honesty. Listen to Proverbs 27.6. Faithful, this part of that sharpening process. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And most of us, if I think we were honest, especially as talking about our flesh, we want kisses, right? We want people to like us. We want people to speak highly of us. We don't want, we don't want wounds. We want love. We want attention. We want favor. And, and, and I think that's just part of being a human, right? But it's dangerous, the proverb says. Like proof, profuse, rubbish, trash are the kisses of an enemy. So even if, if, if the, the actual kiss of that affirmation, if that, that tickling of your ears feels good, you better check the source of that. Where's that coming from? Does that person want the best for me? And oftentimes we run from wounds, but the proverb says faithful are the wounds of a friend. There's something good about a friend wounding you. Think about that. But again, back to, that, back to that iron sharpening iron imagery here. Like that wound is good. When, when a friend can come to you and look you in the eye and tell you something that you really need to hear, that aligns with the truth of the scripture, and just kind of sears you, we need that. We, 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 over the long period of time, we may not want that in that moment. It hurts, but we need that. You think of this, this brings back to the story of Judas, right? The Judas kiss. Right? He kisses Jesus, and then they arrest Jesus. That was the sign for the Romans of who Jesus was. Jesus says, I'm going to kiss him. That's, that's how you'll know it's Jesus. Ju- Judas is the kiss of an enemy, the kiss of death. And the other characteristic here is uh, that we need people that we can be on mission together with. And, and there's, a, there's a broader, not necessarily mission in the, in the context of the church, although includes that, but um, think of, I, I was a big sports guy growing up, played on a lot of teams, and there's something about being a part of a team with a group of guys, and in my case, guys, and like being able to fight, try to win, try to beat the opponent that does something amongst you that really can't be replaced by a lot of other things. Like I look back on some of these, and these guys will be friends for the rest of my life, even though we don't see each other very often, but it wasn't necessarily like we had things in common. It wasn't necessarily um, a, a lot of those things, but it was the fact that we spent so much time on a given purpose, and it caused us to need to be united as a team to accomplish something. And I think we all need that. We all need that, and that's one of the ways that the church can provide that. People who are, who are fighting to glorify God, to live on mission, to love our neighbor to have healthy families, to have healthy marriages, to raise our kids. Like, this is, a, this is a war, right? We're in a fight, and we need people to come alongside of us. And if we can just look across from one another and say, I'm with you in this. I need you with me in this. And we're in this for the long haul to fight 
for the good things that God wants us to fight for. You see this also, um, I wasn't in the military, but those people who were in the military, you ask them about stories and to share about their teammates and the people that they fought with, like you start to see like tears. You see old men who are hardened from war become blabbering babies and crying when they start think, thinking of the, the men they fought alongside with. Right? You can also have this on, um, maybe to a lesser degree, on mission trips, right? You go somewhere really difficult on a mission trip, um, and you didn't know this person before you went, but because you experienced a bunch of, of hard things in a short period of time, that person, you're, 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 um, you're more connected to that person. There's a deeper friendship with that person um, if y'all both kept your eyes on the purpose of being overseas together. Look at 1 Samuel 23. This is uh, David and Jonathan again. Um, A few chapters down, it says this, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. So he's coming to kill him. David was in the wilderness at Ziph and Horesh. Listen to verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. Think about just that imagery there. Like how would you like strengthen someone else's hand? Like, physically, that's almost impossible, right? Like, it's like, I, I, the first thing I thought of was like, it's almost like a puppet, right? When you, when you stick your hands in the, the, the arms of a puppet and you give life to that arm of the puppet, I, that's what I get this sense of he's talking about. Some, like, Jonathan got there and he strengthened his hand in God. He showed up when David needed him the most and it helped David do what David needed to do. And who knows if David could have done that without Saul? And it goes on, he says, And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. This is the picture of doing life with a group of people and being um, on mission together, having the same purpose. And this is why um, what we call Missional communities, communities centered around the gospel. At, our, at church, this is why these things are so important. Because you cannot live the Christian life without community. You can't. It can't happen. And you may say, I have community elsewhere. I have community outside the church. That's, that's okay. That, that, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. But that does not replace community within the church where you guys are all focused on the same thing. Your eyes are set on Jesus. And you're all all working hard to do your best in living this thing called the Christian life. We need that. We need friends around us. So, what gets in the way? Well, it's our sin, right? It's other people's sin. It's our laziness. It's our lack of courage to actually go find friends. We just prefer just to be left alone, right? We want to be, um, we just, we, it's hard, it's hard work, it takes time. We just kind of want to keep to ourselves and not put ourselves out there. Maybe we're distracted by climbing the career ladder. I just don't have time for friends right now because I work too much or I'm too preoccupied with something else, right? We, we need to identify these things. What keeps us from going deep with other people? Why? Why don't, if you answer like that, that survey put out, if you answered, I have zero close friends, or even if I only have one close friend, like why, why don't you have more, right? And this isn't a time to beat yourself up or have shame, just, just asking the question, right? Maybe you've never asked it. Why don't I have more friends? What's kind of keeping me from 
from having more friends that I can do life with. Kind of the, the, the one thing we have to remember here is Jesus. Listen to John 15, 12 through 15. Jesus talks about friendship here. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for that all I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus calls us his friends. We are friends with Jesus. And again, think about, this, isn't, this is the deepest form of friendship you could possibly imagine. This isn't just buddies. This isn't just, hey, let, let, let's go hang out and do fun things together, right? Um, although that was probably built into what Jesus did with his followers. But think about what the disciples, the, 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 the guys hearing this, would end up going to do. They would, go, they would die, give up their life, give up everything, be put in prison, die horrible deaths as martyrs for this friend they called Jesus, their savior, their king. But he was also a friend. He was a friend that um, was a substitute for them and for us. He's the kind of friend that, he, he, he's the best kind of friend that gives up his life for the sake of people who don't deserve it like you and I. He's a friend who lays down his life, suffers horribly, takes God's wrath upon himself so that we might be brought into friendship with Jesus and also a relationship with God. Jesus is the best friend. He's the perfect friend. And I, I, I think we need to, um, I, I, one of my kind of pet peeves is when our, our entire um, relationship with God comes down to this kind of buddy-buddy thing like, like um, Jesus is my co-pilot. Like, that's not true. That's not, that's not biblical, right? Like, God is the pilot, and I'm at the very back. But there's a sense here that Jesus brings us in so intimately to his life that he's saying, you're not a servant anymore. Like, you're not, you're, I, I'm not keeping you away from certain things. You're brought into everything. And through the Spirit, the same things that God has spoken to me, now the Spirit is going to speak to you. And there's intimacy there. There's love there. There's friendship there. You remember Jesus saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then out of that friendship becomes the fact that we are sent to befriend others as ambassadors, as missionaries. Jesus was, one of the, his, his titles given to him by people was a friend of sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Why? The only way you get that title is by actually spending a lot of time around people who people thought you shouldn't spend time around. Tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, the needy. Like, like the, the, the religious folk were like, Jesus, why are you spending time around these people? Because he was a friend of sinners. So we should hear this, and not only because people need Jesus, right? We want to see people come into God's family. We want to see people saved in, in, in radical ways. But the, the stats I read at the beginning, like people, our world is just hungry for friendship. They're starving for it. And maybe the church is the place that we can actually provide genuine friendship to those inside the church for sure, but also those outside the church, right? We, we're sent out now as ambassadors, and part of that is befriending people who don't know Jesus, being a friend of sinners. 
This is what I talked about. I think as followers of Jesus, we should surround ourselves a lot of ways with people who will make us wise, with other wise people. But Jesus clearly sends us out to be friends of sinners. So we will and should have relationships with people that maybe don't agree with us, that maybe maybe they get on our nerves. You probably get on their nerves too, by the way, right? We're weird. We are weird people, right? We are aliens in this world, right? And so sometimes it's people not really wanting to hang out with us, right? But we need to pursue people. We need to be the best friend makers around. We need to be the ones that want to go deeper beyond just college football or whatever your thing is, right? Like we need to go deeper than that. We need to be about people who are are wanting to go deep. Now, how do we do this? Here's uh, four things, and then I'll wrap up. Number one... Who is your friend right now? Who are your friends? Who do you have? We need to find what is a close friend. Think of those things we went through. Are, are, is, there like, uh, uh, there, are, is there love there in both directions? Is there consistency? Does that other person make you better? Do they sharpen you? Um, do they feel like family to you in a sense? Is there a common mission, a common purpose that you're both aiming for in your life? So the first question is, who? who? And maybe you need to start small. Maybe the answer is zero for you. And again, this isn't like, hey, go find ten friends, right? Um, Jesus, it, it appears, Jesus, in, in, the, in the strictest sense of the word, Jesus had twelve friends, and one of them ended up not being a friend, Right? So if you say, I'm going to have more than 11 close friends, you're saying you're doing better than Jesus, right? So start small. Start small, but if you have zero, why not one? If you have one, why not a couple of more? Start small. And come up with names. Who is that? Who could that be? Who's a person that God's brought into your life and you're like, I, there's something, I resonate with them. Or we're, we, we have a lot of like, or there's some commonalities there. And um, they come to the next thing. Then we need initiate, right? Number two, initiate. Um, God initiates friendship with us, right? He, he, he created us. Jesus incarnates himself, right? God incarnates himself to live with us in human form, right? God initiates with us. We need to initiate with other people. You could be really direct, and you can find somebody who you've been spending time with, and you can have the direct conversation of, hey, will you be, will you be my friend? Um, may seem awkward, but if you're that kind of person, man, Ask somebody to be your friend. Like, no, no, no. Like, like, let's actually commit to something beyond just liking the same thing. That may need to happen, right? It may be more direct. Maybe it's indirect, and you just have in your mind, you know, you're like, I'm going to spend more time with them. I'm going to ask some more questions. We're going to go spend more time doing something together rather than just small talking all the time, going deeper. Um, next, invest time. It's going to take work. Right? Once you initiate it, it's going to take work, but it is worth it. It's worth it. And for some of you, it's going to take courage. Right? Maybe you've been burned. Maybe you feel busy. Maybe you feel, maybe you're like an extreme introvert. Studies actually show on the introvert-extrovert thing, introverts are actually better at having close friendships than extroverts. Right? Because extroverts tend to have really spread thin. They love a lot of people, right? Introverts are good at focusing in oftentimes on a couple of people. And that's all we're looking at. So what's stopping you? Do you need courage? Do you need boldness? Hopefully we see from the scriptures, this is worth it. Like think of the rest of your life. Think of, think of 20 years, 40 years. Some of you 60 years from now. Who, who's going to be around you? 
I hate to say, I, this, this, this came, this, I just thought of this, I hate to be um, morbid, but those of you who are married, what if one, whoever goes first with the other one stays, who's around you besides your spouse? Who do you have that is in your life besides your spouse to continue to, to live this life with? Who's around you? Okay, we need to think about these things. And we've provided that, again, in the church. We try our best to connect you into relationships. So this is one part of community is that idea of friendships, but it's such a big part. We want to connect you into community. But again, it takes time, takes investment, takes initiation, takes some reflection, and it's probably, especially if you're out of college, it's not going to happen automatically. It's not just going to hit you in the face, deep friendship is. Maybe you're going to connect with somebody that kind of hits you in that way, but you've got to invest. You've got to take time, and you've got to go deeper. I want to close with this. This is a hymn from John Newton. Um, I don't have the words up there, but if you just, I'll read this slow and just, just listen to this, how this connects with us being a friend of God, Jesus being um, our friend, and also friendship with one another. One there is, above all others, well deserves the name of friend. His his is love beyond a brother's, costly free, and knows no end. They who once his kindness prove find it everlasting love. Which of all our friends to save us could or would have shed his blood? But our Jesus died to have us reconciled in him to God. This was boundless love indeed. Jesus is a friend in need. When he lived on earth abased, friend of sinners was his name. Now above all glory raised, he rejoices in the same. Still he calls them brethren, friends, and to all their wants attends. Could we bear from one another what he daily bears from us? Yet this glorious friend and brother loves us, though we treat him thus. Though for good we render ill, he accounts us brethren still. Oh, for grace our hearts to soften. Teach us, Lord, at length to love. We, alas, forget too often what a friend we have above. But when home our souls are brought, we will love you as we ought. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that something as um, normal and um, as simple as friendship, something we see in TV shows and movies all the time, that you in your providence and sovereignty have um, given us so much in your word about friendship, not just in the Proverbs. We see this in the Old Testament. We see this with Jesus. We see this in Paul with some of his, um, his, his team of um, apostles and church planners in the, in the early church. And we see this all through the scriptures. So thank you. But help us. Help us when we're not good friends. Help us when we're lonely and want more friends. Help us when we've lost friends or lost loved ones who were like friends to us. We need you. This isn't a pick yourself up by your bootstraps and, and be better type of message. This is a understanding how important friendships are and looking to you for help. Empower us. Help us be bold. Help us be courageous. Help us be intentional. Help us invest deeply in the people around us. And I pray you would help us find the people like David had in Jonathan to walk through life with us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.